Hello, and welcome to another episode of City on a Hill, a podcast about what it means to be a citizen of heaven and a citizen of the United States. We want to encourage Christians to find their tribe in the church and their hope in the kingdom of God, rather than to seek both in the kingdom of man. So with that, let's get to it today. Well, hello, I'm Eric Estep. And I'm Scott Reevely. And this is the City on a Hill podcast. Welcome back. Uh, I was at work the other day, and uh, a guy was talking to me about my political career running for office, and then he said, oh, you, you have a podcast too. I said, I, I do have a podcast. How did you find that? Oh, I, I saw it on Facebook, and he's like, that's not mm. a political podcast, is it? Well, kind of, yes. <laughs> but, I, but I went on to describe that... Uh, um, one of the goals is to to kind of piece apart church and politics and, and make those two things distinct. And we've been talking about this for a long time, but that's kind of an evergreen topic. And one of the uh, the most necessary pieces there is the um, encouragement not to fear. Well, I think that the the reason that you you know you say that that we need to tease them apart is because the thing that puts them together. I think one of the main things puts them together is fear Mm. because the, you know, if you get any kind of political, uh, you know, say Christian political material or Christian political mailers Mm. or whatever, they're they're Christian, it's, we have to act before some catastrophe happens or we have Mm -hmm. to act because this is going to, you know, be terrible. And there's just all this rhetoric that is just fear inducing and it makes, I'm just so afraid mm-hmm. that it's going to make the church fearful and, you know, fear outsiders instead of love outsiders. Mm-hmm. And that just is, it, I think it's a really big deal. That it reminds the, me of our catastrophizing episode. So if yeah. go back and listen to that, friends, that's right. a good one. Exactly. Because what we're trying to, what happens is that we're, people are trying to whip the church into a fearful state so that they act politically. Mm. And that just you know, breaks my heart. And it just is a sad thing. And I think that that because of that, it's evergreen, because mm-hmm. it's almost every mailer or every other mailer coming from a Christian point of view or Christian organization, let me say it that way, uh, what those mailers try and do is to say, there are a lot of reason to be afraid, so therefore do this. Yeah, take this action, give this money, sign up for this newsletter, right? whatever. Um, and so that's... Uh, because of that, we want to talk a little bit about fear. And Eric said it's going to be an evergreen kind of a thing. And it may be something we come back to over and over because if 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 we can't accomplish really very much on this podcast, if we could only make the church not fearful about politics, mm. I think we'd be successful. Mm. I mean, that very simple thing. Oh, that would be wonderful. And I think the church would make better decisions. The church would relate more constructively to the world. There's a lot of things that would happen if the church would not act in a fearful way. And so uh, one of the things that I uh, subscribe to in really all of my life is that the best time to talk about things is when you're at a point of non-conflict or a point where it's not all ramped up. If mm. people are all you know ramped up about something, that is not the time to talk about it. And um, so right now, 
it's as peaceful a time as I know. It's springtime in Oregon, and today's not a rainy day. <laughs> and, you know, so let's, let's talk about fear because we can't wait until the temperature's, you know, high mm. to tell ourselves to cool down. I think we have to kind of make plans about how we're going to, you know, kind of equip ourselves for the higher temperatures. And so anyway, that's, that's why we're talking about fear. And I, I'm thinking about the, you know, upcoming uh, elections, not, not so much yours, Eric, in 2022. Thank you. But I, uh, I admitted to Eric uh, before we started that I have found myself flinching as uh, there have been discussions about a presidential uh, election in 2024. Now, that seems like a long ways away on one hand. On the other hand, uh, it seems like it's right around the corner. And it makes me nervous as, uh, as pastor because I really did not anticipate the last couple elections, and I didn't anticipate what they would do to the church. Mm. And so now that I've seen the last couple, and I, I, you know, I'm looking up ahead and realizing there's more pain coming, it makes me sort mm. of afraid. And uh, that's another reason, I suppose, I want to talk about um, yeah. Even if things fear. were, even if the the pressure was the same as it was the last two cycles, I that alone want, is painful enough. I don't want that. Yeah, right, right. And 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 I think some of some of it is, and this is for the church. The church is driven by fear. There was so much fear on both sides, mm. really, these last two cycles, that then the whole atmosphere uh, of the country, but the atmosphere. But it all, I mean, it just completely uh, got baked into the church. The whole atmosphere was a fearful atmosphere, and it was not conducive mm. to unity. It was not conducive to, you know, prayer or community or any of the things that we're trying to do with the church. It mm. just was like, forget that. Let's all worry about stuff. And uh, I, hopefully there are, you know, talking about it when we're not there will be helpful for people in, mm. in anticipation that we are going to be there again. Right. Um, it's almost like a marker in the sand, like put this on your calendar. You're, you're going to feel the pressure rise. You're going to feel your temperature rise. And when you do remember some of the stuff, hopefully we're going to talk about today. Yeah. And I think it probably was that way all along. I'm trying to think if I, I just, as a pastor, I don't really think I noticed it until uh, 2016, but I probably was because I just wasn't paying attention. Because Are you talking about just the general, every four years it's, it's Yeah, like every this? four years, there's probably some mm. of it, and I just didn't pay attention. I mean, you look back to uh, other elections, whether, you know, it was when I was a child or whatever, there were some, there were some pretty contentious mm. elections, and I, you know, I just think it's the last couple, but it isn't. Uh, but it's going to be the next one, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of why we're looking uh, ahead and thinking about um, just being fearful. And so... Well, that and the fact that it is continually pumped up by Christian organizations. Mm-hmm. Fear mm-hmm. this, fear this, fear this. And I, I, I just am so committed to that not being the message right. that I, I don't read those. And right. I don't give money to people who try and make me afraid. So that external pressure has not been something you've experienced, but maybe most everyone you're pastoring has Oh, they, yeah, I know they fear it, or they, they feel it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and I'll also point out, you said Christian organizations or Christian literature or whatever. Uh, 
it's it's not just the Christian literature. That just happens to be how it impacts me. Yeah, right. How it impacts me, and also who we give ourselves to be influenced by. So, in anyone yeah. else, in any other side of the aisle, politically, any other partisan side of it, um, there are different organizations and different institutions that are ramping up the pressure for different people. Sure. But for us, uh, the people we interact with tend to be uh, Christian organizations because it works. Right. right. Everyone's doing right. it because it works. Because outrage sells. And I wanted, I want to try and create a church a church of Jesus Christ that doesn't respond in fear. Mm. And I think we can, I, I think we can do that. I think we have a great reason to do that. So mm-hmm. anyway, I was, I was thinking about this with the up, upcoming, you know, political uh, election here in a few months, but also in a couple of years that there, there could be, you know, it might, it might be helpful to distinguish between uh, reasons people have to be afraid. What is it that's going to make mm. them afraid about this? And I thought of uh, I thought of three, and I don't know that people will like them, but uh, one is I fear for the future of our country, or I fear for the future of democracy. Mm. And uh, there have been some legitimate reasons, I think, to have a f- that kind of a fear uh, in the past, um, shall we say, a few years, mm-hmm. um, or a few months, or yeah. And so I think there's that. Uh, I think some people look at uh, an election in fear for the future of the church to say, oh, my goodness, if, if this candidate's elected or if this policy is enacted, oh, the churches we know it will be finished. Or, mm. you know, our pre- pastor, if he preaches the Bible, will get thrown in jail or whatever the case may be. So I think there's fear for the future of the church. And then I think that there's probably, and then, uh, then there's the unspoken fear, <laughs> I think. And this is the one I'm, and this is, I'm saying this because, because this is a thing for me. How's that? I'll just say it that way. Okay. I Ready. fear, <laughs> I fear for my own personal American dream. Mm. In other words, I, I fear that things go badly. Um, you know, well, what do we get? We'll get inflation and interest rates will go up and gas prices will rise. And then I'm thinking, oh, what, what's going to happen to my retirement and all these things mm. so, that are just completely self-absorbed mm. <laughs> that and and i and i want to like vote my own personal interest and so i get afraid for my own self so i i have to th- say that's something we probably ought to throw in there too mm. and i i, I want to break it out to those three things the the fear for the future of the country fear for the future of the church and fear uh about the my own american dream because I think the scripture speaks to all of them. And I think that we need to uh, really give some serious uh, thought to, to, to how we're going to respond to the God of the Bible and still live in a world that has potential for fear. And so um, if I fear for the future of my country, so we'll just take them one at a time. If I fear for the future of my country and I'm, I'm looking ahead to uh, an election and looking ahead to um, things being fearful in the future, I have a couple things that I can do. And I'm just going to be as practical as I can. Uh, one of them is to participate in the process. Mm. In other words, you, we have a glorious country that we can, we can vote. We can, um, you can write articles. You can mm-hmm. uh, do whatever you know, really, there's not many limits on what you can do if you really want to to have some influence. 
you don't need to just sit in the corner and bite your nails. You can actually participate. Maybe well, you know let, something let's modify, about that. I, I may know something <laughs> about that. Let's modify that, not just sit in a corner and bite your nails. I think the modern equivalent, the, the modern um, analog for that is jump on Facebook and be upset all the time. And that's, I think that's the unfortunate reality from the past 20 years that may be different because you were talking about the elections when you were a kid. Right. I think that's something that's different now. I was listening to an interview with Jonathan Haidt. Um, I think it was Jonathan Haidt and Russell Moore talking about 2009 and on with, with the new social media landscape and the, the retweeting and the likes and the um, outrage cells, all of that kind yeah. of stuff. If I'm frustrated with how, what's going on in the country, the outlet, the, the outlet used to only be I can participate or I can sit in the corner. And now there's a pressure relief valve that is I can sit on social media and tell everyone how frustrated I am and, and kind of be fed more things to be angry about. And it's, it's just self-defeating. Well, it's it not is, and it isn't all my uh, own telling the world how upset I am. Mm-hmm. It's my receiving how upset the rest right. of the world is. Right. I mean, it's my receiving as well as my sending mm-hmm. that is part of the problem and, and compounds my fear. Mm-hmm. It compounds yeah. my frustration. Right. And so um, do, you, do you have anything else that you might suggest? That oh, we... definitely. And, I, and we could probably do a full episode on just this little sub point. But it, like Scott was saying, it's so easy to participate. The, the lowest common denominator is just voting. That's simple. Um, but it's, it's surprising to me how many random little municipal rooms there are in your city or your county um, or your state that need that have empty chairs that need people to sit in them so that they can vote or give their ideas or whatever and that could be something as simple as the library board uh, to the economic development commission or whatever there are ways to exert influence mm-hmm. and i guess if, if you're fearful like do something. <laughs> don't yeah. don't just be afraid. That's pretty much message. Um, and there there are a lot of things you can do, and they're um, they're they're easy. They're they're easy to get into, and you just show up and you show up with with a, a piece of paper and a pen, and people go, "Oh, you're really organized. <laughs> you're organized. This is fantastic." Well, it's not just that. You know, you're you're mentioning even um, city or county things you can get involved with. Mm-hmm. But one of the things, and this is probably where we need to build out another episode or just the intermediate things that you can do, Mm. you know, it will change the flavor of your community. If you put together a a bowling team or a softball team, or if, if you rather than sit on a library board, if boards aren't your thing, make a reading group Mm -hmm. or, I mean, there are a hundred intermediate sort of organizations that really have been the fabric of America for, Mm -hmm all of these years, and that's one of the reasons that right. things have changed too, is that instead of participating in those things, we're all binge-watching stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that would be one of the simple things too. We'll talk about that more at another time. Let's just like- I was about a, ready to get on a soapbox and just put go. A, <laughs> let's put a pin on that because I think that's worth talking about again. Yeah, definitely. Um, but if you're fear for the, for the future of your country, I think you can participate in the process, participate in intermediate organizations, just do something instead of nothing. But the other thing, and we've mentioned this before, is just pray. I mean, mm. for I want to say for crying out loud, pray. Um, you know, we, we go back to Jeremiah 29, 4 through 7 here often. 
which is, uh, you know, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I sent into exile in, uh, from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses, live in them, plant gardens, eat their produce, take wives and have sons and daughters, and take wives for your sons and give daughters in marriage, that they may bear uh, sons and daughters, multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you in exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. Mm. And uh, again, that's just an, an invitation to, to participate mm-hmm. and to pray. And that is, uh, um, and I, I like it too, because that has the right um, connection or the right uh, orientation in that this is what exiles do. Right. And we've talked a lot about how Christians are exiles in this world and ambassadors of another kingdom. And so what, what do they do here? They uh, seek the welfare of the city, and they pray to the Lord on his behalf. So mm. that's one of the things. And I think, you know, my other— Well, can I just jump in there? Yes. Um, take your phone out right now, unless you're driving, then don't. But uh, take your phone out and pick a day uh, in the morning and put a reminder on your calendar to pray for your leaders. Pray for, um, pray for your city. You, you can make that as, as big as you want, but I have— I think it's. I think it was this morning. Um, I I have different calendar events for the way I pray for people, and on Thursday it says pray for political leaders, mm. and that forces that's a reminder every week. Oh yeah, I'm going to pray for my governor and my mayor and and whatever. And I may even be angry with some of them, and all of a sudden if I'm talking to the God of the universe about them or for them, um, I'm asking them for wisdom. We we did a whole episode on praying for them, but just put that in your calendar. And that will change, it'll change your orientation to fear for sure, mm-hmm. but also your orientation to your city. Um, and you can actually seek the welfare of the city if you're praying for your city. Mm-hmm. And you have your eyes open, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, because the reason that you pray, yes, is for the welfare of the city, but it also is because you can talk to God, the one who sets up kings and deposes princes. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's who you're talking to. So that, that's better than your vote even. How's that? Mm. Just just go straight to the top. And um, Job 12, 23 says, he makes nations great, he destroys them, he enlarges nations, and he leads them away. Or Isaiah 40, 22 and 23, it is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in, who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. And so, I mean, I've been I've been reading the Old Testament in my uh, in my quiet time, and it, the most random things seem to happen. And there's there's times when there the city's under siege, and uh, somebody you know prays, and the next thing you know, they wake up, and they're the the city the country that uh, has them under siege somehow hears noises and runs away or it's the craziest thing and it, you know those things you'd never know that right i mean you just if you're there on the wall and you're like you know hungry and thirsty because you're under siege and then all of a sudden the other team other <laughs> other group just leaves it's like why'd that happen and you may never know except that mm. god is up in heaven who bringing princes to nothing and making rulers of the earth is emptiness and so that's why we pray. So, and, and guess what? If you have that kind of access, if you can go over their heads, oh, yeah. then don't fear. Yeah. And just don't be afraid. That's, 
So, I mean, if you're really worried about the country, I would say participate and pray and then don't be afraid and don't mm-hmm. let other people talk you into being afraid. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's one. I think the other thing that I would uh, go to is just if you fear for the future of the church. I mean, a lot of times, again, I think we fear for the future of the church because somebody tells us we should. Mm. So I wouldn't listen to them. But I would just remind you that the future of the church is pretty secure. Uh, Jesus said, on this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And, you know, that's, that's Jesus' responsibility to build the right. church. It's his responsibility to protect it. He's going he's, to he's make sure that the gates of hell, which are probably stronger than whatever government you're worried mm-hmm. about, aren't going to prevail against it. So I don't think that, uh, you know, if the wrong person gets in office, that they will somehow prevail against the church. Well, and to fear the future of the church is, I don't want to press this too hard, but Jesus said that. And in order for you to fear, uh, have a legitimate fear about the ending of the church, Jesus has to be a liar. Or you have to not trust him. And so, stop, so don't pretend that you do right. if you don't. Right, right. So just just put your fear in context. That that's what ha- that's what needs to be true. Jesus can't do what he said he would do if your fear is legitimate. There you go. And that that, that makes it pretty that's a right, pretty straight up strong way to say it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And I'm just going to remind you. You have 42 times in the Bible it says don't be afraid. Do not be afraid. 35 times in the Bible it says do not fear. 33 times it says fear not. This is a this is a theme. We're, we're talking about this for a reason. Because if, if there's anybody on the face of the earth that needs to not be afraid, it's those who belong to the God of the Bible. It's those who belong in the kingdom of heaven. I mean, Isaiah 41.10 is just too good for, uh, for you to be afraid as a Christian. <laughs> and it says, fear not, for I am with you. Mm. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Mm. And so, um, Christian, I just want to say that the church is going to be just fine, mm. and the the God of uh, heaven is looking out for his church. The, the risen and reigning Christ said he will build his church, mm-hmm. and so we don't need to be afraid on behalf of the church. So that's one way that people are afraid, and I'd say just... Please don't fear on that account. Mm-hmm. Then I think the other thing that I'm going to say is that I sometimes get afraid for the future of my own personal American dream. And while that's a confession on the one hand, it's also directly addressed in the Bible. Too. Mm. <laughs> you know, uh, it just it's funny. I mean, even uh, whether it's Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount said, don't be anxious. That's that's kind of straight up the... That's the translation. Yeah. <laughs> the Scott translation. Don't be anxious. With that tone. <laughs> yeah. You knucklehead, don't be anxious. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Um, for the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, mm. and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Mm. So here I admitted already to flinching, I need to not flinch. And I need to not flinch on account of the church or on account of the country or on account of uh, my own personal American dream. 
And then if that's not enough, if, if Jesus' words are not, you know, just pointed enough, in Hebrews 13 it says, Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. It's just like, oh. Little Scott Reevely confessional right now. Why would you just start? Why why would I worry about all my stuff or my taxes or my money or my jobs or whatever? For he has said, let me keep reading. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Mm. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Mm. See, and I just think how quickly we abandon that, how quickly I abandon that. And I just want to protect what I have. Now, I, I'm not saying we just are all foolhardy in and, and that, but I, I, do, I do think that I don't, I don't need to act in fear. I don't need mm. to vote in fear. I don't need to uh, post on social media in fear. I don't need to read other people's fearful things. Mm. I, can, I can be okay because I have a Father in heaven who loves me. And knows what I need, and uh, I'm going to be okay, mm. whether I have an American dream or not. There you go. That's good. Well, and you talk about we're talking about political election cycles, and there there is a, a difference in stability than there's been in the last several years, just economically. Mm-hmm. So, reading these verses is helpful because, like, if you watch right now. Some of the election cycles are going to be indicators of how are we going to respond to inflation? How are we going to um, deal with these economic things? And if you're looking at your savings account going, oh, inflation's 8 or 10% right now. If I leave my money in the savings account, it's actually just going to lose money over the long mm-hmm. haul. And if you're looking at that and kind of worrying about that, that shows you, it at least shows me, maybe the way I save money or plan is a way to deal with future fear on my own rather than mm. um, I have Jesus as my helper. I have God as as my provider. Um, I think it's easy in a country as prosperous and rich as ours to plan ahead and go, I don't have to worry about anything because I took care of it. And now I don't have to, I don't even have to flex the muscle of trusting God in these promises that are, that were largely to people that had no means and they live day to day. Right. They live day to day. We, we can't even relate to the context in which this was spoken. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, and regardless, we, we put ourselves in a situation where I don't even need to listen to this because I don't have those problems. And now there's a little bit of wavering and we go, oh no, everything's going to break. And then just as you're reading those, it was almost just like a balm. Like, oh, mm. oh that's wonderful. That's so, it should be. Yeah. How, how good is God that he would, again, is he a liar? I don't think he's a liar. Um, and he said these things, and you can trust him. And if, if you're fearing, then you're not trusting. Well, there is, uh, there is one legitimate fear that will kind of keep uh, uh, a cap on all the other fears, I think. Mm. Uh, and it's pr- from Proverbs 1.7, seven says, Fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And so uh, I suppose it would be incomplete of us to talk about mm. fear without just uh, sort of capping it off by saying, but if you fear the Lord mm-hmm. and not these other things, then you're, um, you're going to be all right. Mm. And some of it is that, you know, I, I think that there's a, there's a sense in which when I fear, uh, when I'm afraid of something outside of God and not fearing the Lord, I'm making that 
more important than it needs to be. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking to it for my security or my hope or my happiness. And so um, that would be the thing that I'd be mm-hmm. maybe thoughtful or careful about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's good. There's the old, uh, there's an old Veggie Tales song, God is bigger than the boogeyman. <laughs> and that helps little kids go to sleep, I suppose. But also, if you're fearing something, that, that's one way of saying, I think this thing is bigger than God. I think this, this means of hope or this means of security or this means of comfort is larger than God. Um, and that, that, that's what happens when you're misplacing your fear, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think another way I, I realize it is if I'm putting my identity in something other than um, my kingdom citizenship or my being a co-heir with Christ, an heir of the king, that kind of thing, if I'm putting it somewhere else, that that will probably show me where my fear is um, or vice versa. Yeah, your fear will yeah, show my, you my where fear your hope is. Yes, exactly. Right. And I, one of the things that comes up with me often, I got four little boys and the temptation is constantly there. Um, I want to be a good parent and I want, I've, that often will be my identity because it, it'll be obvious when I'm out in public and my boys are not obeying as I would hope they would obey um, or listening or uh, any of those things, then it, it's, oh, shoot, people are going to see. I, I, I'm fearful of other people at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, what are they going to think about me? What are they going to think about the way I parent um, or my my weaknesses in this? That will point me to, ah, my identity is not in, in Christ. My identity, at least in this moment, I'm not placing it in the proper spot. Um, and that's happening even in political stuff. I'm, yeah. I'm Constantly sure given a temptation to put my identity in something other than my citizenship in the kingdom, um, and my my fear can shift from place to place. And wait, where who am I supposed to fear? One God, and who am I connected to? Um, irrevocably, mm-hmm. I'm I'm connected with Jesus. So well, I, I liked your moment by moment thing because this is this is why we're talking about it in a when, when the temperature is down mm-hmm. because it is a moment by moment thing. And there are moments when my temperature rises, <laughs> and then I get uh, I get fearful, mm-hmm. and I need to maybe remind myself of some of these verses we talked about, and mm-hmm. some of the perspective we talked about, and take a deep breath, mm. and then um, trust the Lord again. So mm. it is a moment by moment thing, and I think we just make moment by moment adjustments there. Yeah, when we catch ourselves, that's good. That's good. So make some moment-by-moment adjustments, and we will keep doing podcasts about not fearing, I'm sure, because we all need some moment-by-moment adjustments. Um, to get those future podcasts, don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Rate us. If you could just share this, this would be great. I'm sure um, if this was helpful for you, uh, there are other people that need this. Um, so if you could share this, give it to a friend, um, that could be a good use of social media. Eric's backtracking. There we go. No, actually, I did just talk today to somebody who had received the podcast from somebody who shared it with them. So mm, awesome. Um, thank you for that. Yeah. Um, and if you have questions, uh, send them to comment at cityonahillpodcast.com. You can leave an audio question at speakpipe.com slash podcast, and we may use those in a future show. So if you're okay with us uh, doing that, let, let us know. And uh, we'll look forward to the next conversation.